Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Galatians 5 and 22, and then we're going to go to Romans 14 and 17. Galatians 5 and 22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, and so on. There's a reason I said that. And Romans 14 and 17 says this, it says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You can be seated this evening. So I want to talk to you this evening about a case for joy. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I was inspired to talk a little bit about brotherly kindness. I've spoken on some other aspects of that, the importance of hope. And, and I wanted to, you know, I sought God on this and I thought, boy, I guess I must be on a track. Uh, but I just felt a strong direction and an urge to talk to you about joy to get involved with joy. And it's an important part of the fruit of the Spirit. We know that it's by our fruit that we know that we're connected with Jesus Christ. It's who we are. It's part of our identity. And it's important that we exhibit these attributes, that we live these attributes, and they should be reflected in us as much as we possibly can. And so I want to get a hold of this one because, again, I'm about God's order, God's structure and order. And it just says to me in this scripture, and you can disagree with me if you want to, that's okay, but it says to me in this scripture that the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love first and joy comes right in in second place. I think that's an importance level in God's uh, list there, but maybe not, maybe it's not because Romans fourteen seventeen puts it in third. But either way, this is a very important concept. Thank you, Sister Bauer. Uh, a very important concept to God and I think it's something that as we move forward in time, as we continue to endure the challenges of the world and endure the mission that we have ahead of us, it's not about just when you leave here and you go in your job tomorrow that you, you survive and you exhibit these attributes. It's about the armor and, and the weapons that we're putting on. It's about our specific mission for this church and the direction we are going and what we need specifically. And so as God continues to deal with me in that area, we come across the topic of joy. It's a very important aspect of God's character and what he expects from us, and what he teaches us. It's found throughout scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, numerous amounts of times, and there's very uh, distinct aspects of what is taught in joy, and why he teaches joy, and how it's used, and we see the word rejoice, also a form of the word joy, uh, but it is a significant part of God's message. It, it is not a light issue. And so, uh, when we look at joy, and I want to distinct, uh, distinguish something very, very quickly and, and, and very simply, and that is, is I want to make sure before we get off into the, into the work here, I distinguish happiness and joy, okay? We, we live in a very, very challenging world, and of course, we know that things are waxing worse and worse, just as it says in 2 Timothy. We have challenges that we're facing every day. We're seeing things in our environment around us that have never been seen before, Wickedness and sin is being lauded as heroic and powerful and wonderful. We're seeing good being treated as evil and evil treated as good. And it's so easy to go out into the world and watch Fox News for too long or, or listen to the to talk radio for too long and sap the joy right out of our lives because all we see is doom and destruction and negativity. That's the work of the enemy. That's the work of the prince and power of the air. He's pumping that stuff into your head and there's a funnel that leads from your brain down into your heart and it sucks it right out of you. That's his 
his mission. That's his design. And what I'm saying to you today is we got to get a hold of some joy, the power of what joy does, because it stomps on the devil, it foils his plans, it ruins his ability to destroy your strength. And there's a difference between happiness and joy. You see, happiness is fleeting. Happiness is something that's circumstantial. You can have something happen, it makes you happy. Maybe somebody gives you a gift, and for a few moments, oh, I'm so happy, or something was done for you, or a good thing happens. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Happiness is good, but it's fleeting. It's, it's circumstantial. It's not something that's lasting and powerful. It's just a, a, an occasion of what we experience in life. The book of Ecclesiastes told us that long ago, that we're going to have times of happiness and times of sorrow and sadness and fun and and all those things, a time to war and a time for peace, etc. But we need to understand that if all we're doing is seeking happiness, we're going to be gravely disappointed. Happiness is not completely sustainable all the time, just in and of itself. And if you're living life from one occasion to happiness to, to the next, desperately seeking happiness you're going to be gravely disappointed and you will not be armored for the times and the things that are to come that are going to challenge the church. I promise you that. The effects of happiness do not last. As a matter of fact, I want to read you a quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said this, happiness is momentary and can be due to current circumstance. However, joy is a lasting inward experience. Pleasure can create happiness, there's no doubt, but the effects do not last. True joy is in Christ Jesus. He went on to say this, joy is an abiding sense of optimism and cheerfulness based on God, as opposed to happiness, which is a sense of optimism and cheerfulness based on circumstances. Define for yourselves today an understanding of the difference between happiness and joy, and you're going to be one step ahead of our enemy. We need to understand that in armor. The fruit of the Spirit contains love and joy. Did you notice happiness didn't appear in that list? And you'll find me oftentimes, I know I'm kind of a joker about that, but you'll find me oftentimes pointing out the things that are not part of the fruit of the Spirit. And it's simply because the world is trying to convey an idea of things that are virtues. See, those fruit of the Spirit, that fruit of the Spirit list are powerful virtues in God's character, in God's world that he expects us to reflect. Through the Holy Ghost, we need to reflect those things. That's how people will see us. Through holiness and through the fruit that we exhibit, people will see God. But the world constantly tries to extol virtues and slip those things in. And we start to kind of take on this idea that things are part of the fruit or part of our character that they're really not necessarily supposed to be. I talked one time recently about passion. (laughs) A lot of things are done in the name of passion that are disgusting in God's eyes. It is not a fruit of the Spirit. And so we need to continue to adhere to that list, nonetheless of which is joy. Listen to the words of of Solomon as he talks about how he tried to find his happiness instead of his joy. Of Of course, Solomon, as you know, was bestowed the greatest level of wisdom of any man ever known beside Jesus Christ himself. And he went through a period of time and he wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Starting at verse 1, when he said this, listen to his words as he said, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure, enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said, laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. 
my heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. See, he tried these different things. He tried to seek happiness and wine and pleasures and he realized the emptiness of it. The attempt, the constant drive that we have to fulfill happiness, to seek happiness is a futile job. It's a futile attempt. It's a futile waste of energy. Because if you get the joy of the Lord down inside your soul, that true joy of God Almighty, it's like a nuclear factory of ability to create and and enjoy happiness in your life all by itself. If you get that joy down in here and you really truly understand exactly what God meant when he said, I want you to have joy and the fullness of joy, you'll realize you'll have an everlasting supply and flow of happiness. Now, Brother Cordell, I'm sorry. I was at a funeral this week. I wasn't very happy. I didn't have a lot of joy. Obviously. We're human beings. We're going to go through those ebbs and flows. But what I'm saying is you can just turn it right back in. You get through that time. You go through your time of mourning, and you don't have to try to work to seek happiness. You don't have to manufacture it through going out and doing things that give you that temporary happiness. What you do is you get a hold of God. Where's Sister Ruth? Sister Ruth. Oh, there she is. I'm going to tell on you. Sister Ruth just told me just a moment ago, and I had heard this, and my wife and I had prayed about it, but she had a loss in her family this week, went to a, went to a funeral. And I said, oh, I'm, and I was kind of joking around with her a little bit. And I said, oh, Sister Ruth, I'm so sorry. I gave her a hug. I said, I didn't mean to make light of your week. And she said, you didn't know. She goes, but that's okay. God's getting me through it. And her sisters uh, had a loss in her family, her, her nephew. And uh, immediately, joy. You're joyful little lady, Sister Ruth. And I love that about you. Every time I get a hug from Sister Ruth, I like try to, pull as much joy as I can possibly get. But that's what I'm talking about. Sister Ruth has been through some challenges in her life like all of us. But I've always seen her exhibit a level of joy because she's in the house of God. She's communing with her brothers and sisters of the Lord. She feels the presence of God in this place right now, right? Amen. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Psalm 4 and 7 says, you have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvest of grain and new wine. Possessions Great harvest, all these things are not going to be everlasting in happiness. It's just not that. We know this story. We have a little thing on our wall in our family room. I forgot where we got it from, and it's got some message on it. It says something to the effect of life is not trying to endure the storm, but learn how to dance in the rain. Happiness is not trying to endure the storm, but learning how to dance in the rain. You know what that's about? That's about joy. What is life really about? Is it raining? Oh, it's raining. I'm going to be sad and depressed. Or I'm going to go there and say, it's raining. It's beautiful. The flowers are going to grow and the plants are going to thrive. God created rain. Does that make sense? Okay, I thought everybody left there for a minute. Jesus spoke in terms of the fullness of joy or how your joy may be full. This is another critical aspect of this message. Uh, and you'll see it repeated again throughout Scripture. I'm going to give you a few examples right now. I don't think, uh, um, who's that up there? Oh, Sister Leet, you're probably not going to be able to keep up with me, so don't worry, I, I didn't get you all this list. <laughs> She'll do her best, she said. Sister Leet has joy. Even Brother Cordell can't throw her off. She's got that joy. I love it. John chapter 15 and 11 says this, says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. 
Immediately, John's giving the words of Jesus. In John chapter 16, Jesus is alluding to his coming crucifixion, but he's also alluding to the eventual return that, that he's going to bring at Pentecost. And he, again, he wants fullness of joy for his disciples. Listen to what he says in John chapter 16, starting at 19. He says, now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto them, do ye inquire among yourselves of what I said a little while and ye shall not see me? And again, a little while, ye shall see me. Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. Okay, what he's talking about is he's going to die on the cross. The, the, the disciples are going to be distraught and it's going to be terrible. It's going to be a horrible thing for them to go to. But the world, the spirit of the world is going to rejoice. They're going to be happy about this event. But then he says, and ye shall be sorrow, sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Because they're going to recognize that a few weeks later at Pentecost, here that spirit is going to come and Jesus Christ is going to return as the comforter in the form of the Holy Ghost. And he knows that they're going to be joy. They're going to experience that joy. 16 and 22 says this. It says, you know, therefore, excuse me, you now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart shall rejoice and your joy no man taketh from you. Folks, if you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross to take away your sins and bury them under his blood, you can take anything in life and you can deal with any situation in life and recognize that someday I'm going to see him again and I can hold on to joy. The devil can't come against that. The devil can't take you out. He can't destroy you if you've got that strength to know that no matter what this life brings, no matter what this body experiences, someday I'm going to be with Jesus Christ. Wow. That's okay. You can clap louder than that because that's for him. More, more, more. That's for him. That's awesome. 16 and 24 says, until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. What's he saying? Ask in my name. Ask in what you ask in my name. He's saying, you know what? Even though it's not about things and it's not about possessions and it's not about owning stuff to bring you happiness, you ask in my name and I'm still going to provide you things. I'm still going to give you that fullness of joy. Jesus Christ does not want us living in dirt boxes, groveling and, and, and eating dirt and, and suffering in life. That is not the, the design that he has for his people. He just doesn't want possessions and all that other junk to be our source of happiness. He wants him to be the source of happiness and joy, and then that stuff will come. Does that make sense? So don't, don't be afraid that if you say, okay, well, I'm just going to relegate to joy, but I don't get to do anything fun. That's not the formula. Does that make sense? Okay. I love the word. John 17 and 13 says, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. More promises fulfilled, joy fulfilled. First John, and we're going over to first John. Now John's very prolific in what he wrote about this. And John has a very specific style. If you understand each of the writers of the Gospels, a very specific, excuse me, specific styles. Got to work that one out. And so John in 1 John chapter 1, again, is back on that topic when he says, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. 
And if you read that whole section of 1 John, by the way, it extols just all these, these awesome things. He, 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 he just goes right down the line. And he said, I'm telling you all of this so your joy is full. So there's an aspect to that that's important. He didn't want you to have just a little bit of joy. It's not just about fleeting joy, occasionally have some good times. He wants your joy to be full. That terminology doesn't mean like a lot necessarily, but a limited amount. It means full, completely all that you can take, all that you could hold, the joy that he can give you that's just the limit that you have. Whatever that may be, he wants you to have it. Full joy. Isn't that neat? I mean, it's just, it's powerful to know that God's concern, such an incredibly important concern, the second item in the list of fruit of the Spirit, is just so important for God to have, for that you have this ultimate joy, this fullness, this cheerfulness that goes beyond just fleeting happiness. I think that's wonderful and beautiful that our Savior is so concerned. Psalm chapter 16 and verse 11 says this. It says that thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Now I know you've heard that scripture many, many times. But think about that. Think about that. In your presence, how often do we feel the presence of God? Just stepping into this place where two or three are gathered, two or more are gathered, excuse me, in his name. There he is. His presence is there. So if you know his presence is here, the fullness of joy is right there. How many have experienced that? How many have just stood up there and just basked in that awesome joy? You just stand there and just... It just comes in waves and waves and waves and it's so pure and it's not fleeting and it didn't take a substance. I didn't have to shoot it up my veins or in my nose or drink it or, or whatever else they do. I didn't have to do any of that. I just had to come and be pure of heart and seek him and stand in his presence and experience joy. I really, really wish, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I wish I could take a piece of that. I, I wish I could box it up somehow or bottle it or something and take it to people that I know that are miserable, constantly miserable. Anybody know anyone like that? And you've shared the gospel with them, you've invited them to church, you've tried to get them to come and be a part of this, and, oh, it's church, it's church, church. You know, they might have the concept of church, they grew up in traditional faiths or something, I've heard it's boring, and we, you know, all this stuff that they do. I'm sorry about that, but that's not what we do. That's not what we experience. But they just won't come. And I'd love to take a bottle of that stuff and just, just open this up and pour it over yourself just for a minute. Here's, here's 23 seconds worth of joy. You can come and get that at our church, but you can get it like in, in, in flowing waterfalls. Just powerful levels of joy. True joy. So powerful. We can be said to have fullness of joy in God if our joy in God is so full that it outweighs all the other competing emotions. You know what I mean by that? You could really truly say that if you can honestly say that this outweighs all your other emotions, in other words, it takes the first position of your emotions, your, your issues, then you can truly say you have fullness of joy. I believe that. Based on the word and scripture and my study, I believe that you can really honestly say you have the fullness of joy. I do get concerned sometimes because I do see Christians that I know. And I know people struggle. We all do. We fight with the flesh. We have those challenges. 
But you ever see that one person that just, just seems negative or they just seem to wear everything all the time and you want to look at them and say, where is your Jesus? Where is, you were in the tank, right? You got Holy Ghost, right? Do you know what Jesus did for you? And you, just a little bit of joy? And I see that and I think, wow. I think sometimes we drift away from it. We get in wrapped up in the worries of life and we start, trying to, we start trying to replace our joy with happiness. We start striving and seeking happiness. Oh, that's a poison. You start trying to replace God's joy with fleeting happiness and you're going to poison your soul. And unfortunately, I, not, nobody in this room, honest, nobody in this room, but I have seen, has anyone here seen that? And you want to, you just desperately want to reach out to him and say, what has poisoned your soul? And here's what it comes down to is that somewhere in there, they, got out, they, took, a, they took an exit lane and they're still around and they're still doing their thing, but they've become embittered or they had an offense or they had some kind of issue that took them down and they let it suck their joy right out of their soul. Or they started to seek happiness. They became a little too self-centered, a little too selfish, a little too, well, this was done to me, or that was this and this happened. And regardless of the circumstances, whatever that was, Jesus still wants them to have the fullness of joy. And if you're going to start replacing your joy by seeking happiness, maybe you have a shopping addiction, you're just constantly buying yourself things. There's no joy in that. There's no happiness. It's fleeting. It's painful. It's painful. Or you go back to a substance or they, or, or they fill it with something else that nobody would really call negative in the Christian world but still has replaced their joy with fleeting happiness. I want to minister to those people. Do you guys? If you know people like that, reach out to them. Reach out to them and try to help them find their joy again. Find that joy that comes from what Jesus Christ has done for them in their lives. Because I'll tell you, if it stays that way, it's going to poison their soul. Okay? Sorry to be a little heavy on that part. Did I take away your joy? Okay, all right. Nobody in this room, I'm just saying. It was, it's something I've seen. I want to talk a little bit then on, on instruction for joy. Instruction for joy in the word of God as I started looking. Okay, what do we do? You know, I like practical, tactical. That's my thing. You know, conceptual stuff and idealism is awesome. You know, we should all be happy. Okay, Brother Cordell, how do you do that? We should all have joy. I like practical, tactical. I like, this is what I used to do with young people when I was their, their youth pastor. I like to give them specific steps, things that you can find in the word of God that gave instruction. Okay, how do I do this? How do I get over this issue and this challenge? And so let's take a look at something really, really important in, uh, in the word of God. In Nehemiah chapter 8 and 10, you guys all know this scripture as well. Nehemiah, you know what Nehemiah did building the wall. That poor guy dealt with all kinds of challenges. He had people, he's on the ladders with sword in one hand and a, and a, and a hammer in the other or whatever the case is, trying to rebuild the walls of, of Jerusalem, people attacking him, people complaining. He had funding problems. But this guy knew this one important thing in Nehemiah chapter 8 and 10. He simply said this. Now, I abbreviated some of it just for time. But he simply said one of the most powerful phrases in all of Scripture. And that simply is this. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Think about that. Your strength is not bodily. Your strength doesn't come from how well you speak or how smart you are or how fast you run or how capable you are of this or how much you know in the word of God, your strength comes from God's joy. Now, if that doesn't ring somebody's bell in here, I don't know what will. So you understand, it's good. we got to protect this joy. 
we got to protect it and we got to find it. And if you start to lose it or if you have lost it, then you need to get on the search. And if you can't find it yourself, get a hold of somebody that can help you. Because if the joy of the Lord is our strength, guess what? That's the only way we're going to make it through the tough times. It's the only way we're going to defeat the enemy long term. We'll defeat him here and defeat him there and we'll get through and we'll struggle and all that stuff. But ultimately, without strength, without strength, without strength, you will not be able to endure. The Bible says that the righteous shall scarcely be saved through all the things that we have to endure. Well, if we know this now, if we know we can have the armor of God, you can have the sword of the spirit and the helmet of righteousness and the, excuse me, the helmet of salvation and the breastplate and all of that stuff. But if you have no strength, what good are you? If you have no strength and you wear all the armor, you're just going to fall down on the ground and the enemy's just going to stomp all over you. And so if this key factor, it doesn't say the joy of the Lord and some other things are your strength. It says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Is this ringing a bell? Okay, I don't want to lose anybody. I want you to stay with me. Clearly, our, our, our Christian joy is assaulted on all kinds of fronts. It's under attack constantly because the enemy knows this. If you didn't know it until just now, now you do. But the enemy knew it a long time ago. And he's going to sap it. He's going to come after it. He's going to attack it. And look at the things that happen. All kinds of external circumstances. The typical challenges of life. Death and sorrow and disease and all the challenges we face. Moods and emotions. But you know what else can do it? Sin. Sin can take away all of your joy. The Bible says that sin's good for a season. It's usually a really short one. Kind of like summer in Wisconsin. (laughs) But those things are constantly under attack. You know that, right? I I know I'm preaching to the choir on this one. Your joy is constantly under the attack. Diana, you know that, right? The enemy wants to kill your joy. She's a really joyful person. She's always smiling. I love her joy. But the enemy wants to take it. Too many Christians are, are passive in this area, I believe. I don't think we really understand the value that that diamond that we have, that extremely valuable gem that Jesus gave us, the ability to have that fullness of joy, that godly joy. And, and, and we're passive about it sometimes, and we lose it so easily. It's a great loss when you lose your joy. This is not a light matter. And the, I was joking a little bit about that before, but I, I am serious. I do know people that have gone through things, have been challenged with things, have offenses. People are people, and we do dumb stuff, and we hurt one another, but sometimes people allow it to sap their joy, and that's unfortunate because they'll stand on that, and they'll justify their joy being gone. I've had that conversation too. Well, I deserve to feel this way. I deserve to be angry. I deserve to be hurt. Maybe true, But the one you're hurting is yourself, is really the message. We've got to do everything we can to draw close to God and reclaim that fullness of joy. I can't express that enough. And I'm quoting actually from Charles Spurgeon once again. I'll read you the whole quote. It says, too many Christians are passive in their loss of joy. They need to realize it is a great loss and do everything they can to draw close to God and reclaim that fullness of joy. If, this is the quote now. If any of you have lost the joy of the Lord, I pray you do not think it's a small loss. That last part was Charles Spurgeon. 
Psalm 95 and 1 says this, 1 and 2 says, come, you know the song, we sing it. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving, thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. It's a little secret there about joy building. That's a joy building tool right there. Okay, let us sing for joy. Okay, if you lost it, if you know somebody that lost it, get them into worship. Get back to worship. If, you're, if you've kind of been kind of laying low and, and it's not a big thing for you and you see some of these folks that will come up here during worship service and they'll throw their hands up and they'll dance a little bit and you've lost your joy or it's under attack and it's kind of slipping away from you, the Bible says in Psalm 95, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud. If you've been quiet, if the enemy has sequestered you and kept your voice quiet, shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. I'll tell you what, when you start to shout, and I preached on shouting before, there's just something that gets the blood flowing, the pump start, the heart starts pumping, right? The juices get going, and all of a sudden you feel the tinglies, and the tinglies feel pretty good, and you throw your arms up in the air, next thing you know, guess what? Your joy tank is getting filled back up. It's not a one-time deal either. You need to come back again and come back again. I want this church to be a worshiping, powerful church. I really do. We are, for the most part. We have tremendous worship. We've got many that do. But I just see a few that just kind of hang back in the weeds. And I think, boy, you're missing a pretty good Psalm 95 opportunity. Just shout. Remember, we made a contract here a number of months ago. I everybody made everybody promise not to make fun of each other if you jumped up and shouted and did whatever you wanted to praise. Anybody remember that? This is the chordal contract of praise. <laughs> we didn't sign anything, but, you know, it was, a, it was a pledge. But I think people are missing on that opportunity. Psalm 101 says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Joyful noise. It doesn't say make a, just make a noise. Make a joyful noise. Joy. Bring the joy in. Fill that tank up. Psalm 119, 1 through 3. Joyful are people of integrity. This is a, a translation. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Uh-oh. There's another piece of instruction. You have joy when you follow the word of God. All of it, right? There's the front cover that's got the Holy Bible part on it, and there's the back cover that has that weird number stamp on it from, from the library system. All the stuff between the front cover and the back cover is the word of God. Remember what I preached a little while ago when, when I talked about how, how uh, Jonathan, excuse me, Joshua preached every word of Moses' law after they defeated Ai. All the words. He said all the words for everybody, everywhere. And so what Psalm 119, 1 through 3 is saying, and I didn't finish it yet, but it, it says, who follow the instructions of the Lord. Now listen to the next part. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. Once in a great while, I'll have somebody crawl into my office having kind of drifted away from things and head down on the floor and groaning and sit down and, and I, I, I counsel with them. And they want to tell me about how life has been terrible to them and been all this awful stuff. Nobody in this room again. Nobody, nobody in this room. And I know what's happened. This happened a lot with young people. I know what's happened. Is they took what was said was here, threw that out. Well, life's been terrible and I got all these horrible things happening. You know what's they're not walking the path. 
they're not living the laws. They're not following the instructions. This is simple stuff, isn't it? There's an instruction book we have. It's got black covers. It says Holy Bible in the front one. and has a weird number. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's just so easy to identify because I'll just start to ask some very simple, very kind questions. Well, how's your walk with God? How's your prayer time? How, how's your Bible reading? Bum, 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 bum. Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And there's always excuses and all these different things. So here's the answer. You want to get your head out of the gutter and you want to be able to stand up straight again and want to have some joy in your life. Get a hold of the word of God. Listen to the man of God who's directing you and start following the instructions he gave you and live the path, walk the path you're supposed to and God will fill you with that joy. Fullness of joy comes from following his word. It's very simple, right? Philippians 4 and 4 says, rejoice rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We sing that too. What does that mean? If you win, like they said, anybody remember facing the Giants, the Christian football movie? Remember the coach? Remember what he said? If we lose, we're going to praise him. If we win, we're going to praise him. Whatever you go through, praise him. No matter what. It's just simple. Rejoice in the Lord always. And he was so emphatic, Paul, talking to the Philippians, he said it again. Again, I say rejoice. He emphasized it. If he's in the Old Testament, he would have said verily, verily. Or if he was Jesus. Rejoice. If you're losing the battle, rejoice. If you're winning the battle, rejoice. Because you know what? The ultimate battle, you will win. That promise has already been laid, right? It's already been put out there for you. Oh my goodness, I didn't get that job. I didn't get this. I'm gonna, you know, I can't live where I want to live. I can't have the house I want. can't have all the things I want. I'm losing. I'm losing. I'm losing. Rejoice. Because somewhere in there, when the fullness of joy becomes who and what you are, that turns the corner. I'm living it. I'm living it. And I have been living it. And I'm not bragging on myself. I'm bragging on Jesus Christ because I made some dumb mistakes. I did some stupid stuff. I took wrong turns. I slowed our progress down. My wife's, I'm not looking at her because she's probably nodding vehemently. Yep, he did. But we chose to rejoice. We chose to love God. We chose to crawl back into somebody's office with our head hanging low going, we really messed up. Can we try to figure this out and get back on our feet? We had that instruction. You can stand this evening. I'm closing already. I know this is a bit of a short message. I think I got the point across and I wanted to encourage you in this because I love to hear your laughter and I joke a little bit because that laughter is a reflection of your joy. You guys know what I'm talking about. I'm not teaching you anything new. I'm just doing a reminder message tonight, right? This was all, this is standard stuff, right? But I really wanted to remind you, protect your joy. Protect those things and seek the fullness. Seek the fullness of joy. If there's one thing that my wife and I can say is that we spend a lot of time laughing in our home. And it's mostly when I get dressed in the morning. She's laughing at me. Thank you. See, that's joy. That's okay. You can laugh. Psalm 30 and 5 says this. And I've abbreviated this part too. And you guys all know it. It's part of the song. Though sorrow may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. And what the psalmist was talking about and what he was saying is you're going to have those experiences. I am not promising you you will not have sorrow in your life. And it'll last for a season. It'll have its time. And you got to endure that sorrow. I'm sorry. I know we've endured ours. And I bet every single person in this room could tell a story of sorrow that you've endured. But what the promise is, is if you endure, 
Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and 11 says that the, the race is not given to the swift or to the strong, but he that endures to the end. If you endure, if you deal with the sorrows, if you deal with the klutzy, goofy people that hurt you and make you upset, if you deal with the coworker that agitates you, if you deal with the problems of financial matters and all that stuff, that sorrow is going to last through the night, but joy is coming in the morning. Joy, like we've never seen before, is coming in the morning. The Bible says that I have not seen, nor have we thought in our minds and have any concept whatsoever what God has waiting for us, the joy that is prepared for us. If we get a hold of it down here and we exhibit joy every chance we can, we're going to experience joy like we've never seen before. We have our challenges and our sorrows. We're going to be hurt, scared, angry, down, upset, sad, defeated, you name it. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, at the first part, we commend ourselves as ministers. Can I get an agreement in the room that every single one of us is a minister of Jesus Christ? Right? I don't care where your walk is or who you are, what you're doing. We are ministers of the gospel or our testimony. Right? He says, we commend ourselves as ministers. And you go down to verse 8. He says this, through honor and dishonor through slander and through praise. We are treated as imposters and yet are true. As unknown, yet well-known. As dying, and behold, we live. As punished, and yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. We possess everything we possibly need. So what he was saying there is, we've got the joy as ministers. We've got the things we need. They're going to say we're imposters, but we're true. They're going to say we're liars, but we're not liars. They're going to say we're fallen, but we stand. They're going to say we're dying, but we're not dying. They're going to say this church is garbage, but this church is gold. They're going to say our ministry is failing, but this, this ministry is succeeding. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for Abundant Life Apostolic Church. And the enemies will come against. And they're going to say all the things that we want to say. But if you hold tight and you hang on to your joy and you say, no, I love my church. I love what God has done. I've got joy in my heart every time I step in that building. I'm telling you, if you reflect that to the people around you, they're going to want to come here. They're going to want to come and find out what this joy thing is. And that's my commission to you tonight. You knew the story already. You know the principle of joy. I'm just reminding you just a little bit. Paul knew it. You and I know it. And we're allowed to have awesome joy in our lives. Jesus' name. God, we're so thankful for your word. God, I'm I'm thankful that I have awesome joy in my life. I've been through challenges. haven't always handled it right. haven't always had the best attitude. But at the end of the day, you're merciful. You're gracious, God. And when we can turn it around and we look back to you, that joy comes flooding back in again. I love it. I love it, Jesus, every time I'm here. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.